Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Seven Podcast. Uh, my name is Scott, and of course, it's my it's my show. Of course, my name is Scott. Who else would be talking today? And I am here with two of my guests today. Uh, first, my co-host Micah Current. How are you doing today, Micah? Well, better that you know your name. <laughs> that is correct. And we also have Jordan Halstead. He is the one and only pastor over at Chartel Church of God in Oklahoma. He has been on this show before. So welcome back to the show, Jordan. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, it's been hard to get you. You've been a busy man. I have. It's been a crazy couple of weeks and honestly the past month or so. It's been just nuts on our schedule. So, but I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, you're moving like tumbleweeds out there, man. Just always moving. <laughs> it's like moving armadillo. to the wind. Oh, An man. armadillo. Mm, yummy. Anyway, <laughs> this podcast is going off the rails, and for good reason, because we're going to be talking about pastor kids. Um, and kind of, and again, Micah is a PK or a pastor's kid. Jordan is a pastor kid. I am a GPK, which means that my grandfather was a pastor and I was a a grandchild of a pastor. And also I'm a pastor too. So this helps me see, learn some, I'll learn some stuff to better teach my children so that I are pastor's kids also. Yeah, I have pastor kids. So we'll see how much I mess with them as they get older. So we'll see how well it happens. So uh, I want to just kind of start by um, just kind of talking a little bit about what makes a pastor's kid different than a Christian kid, just a normal person who goes, attends church regularly, brings their kids. Is it kind of the same as a kid or is it different? Like what, what would you say are the differences between kids who just go with their parents that go to church regularly and actually being the kid of a pastor. So Jordan, just kind of your thoughts on that. I think the difference is the amount of time spent at the church. Um, I, I remember growing up uh, at Eaton where my dad and mom, they both were working and my dad would just pick me and my brother up and we'd go uh, to the youth room and go play. We'd go in the gym and go shoot hoops. I mean, we spent a lot of time there. Um, I don't know that there's a massive difference. I, I, I would hope that the students are, or the, the pastor's kids are getting a little bit more of the word out um, and, and it's really affecting their lives more. But, you know, there's a lot of pastor's kids who are out there that completely turn their back on the church. Uh, mm-hmm. They got burned out. They saw their their mom or their dad uh, be just uh, beaten by the church. Uh, and so sometimes they just see that, you know, there's not a lot of grace there. There's not a lot of mercy and they, they turn their backs really quickly. Um, and they don't want to go back to the church. I've got, uh, a relative who his kids, they just, they, they attend, but they don't want to be in any type of leadership. They don't want any, they have no respect for the church as a whole. And it took many, many years before they would even walk back into the church. Mm. Uh, my brother and I are the flip side of that coin that we both love the church. We saw a lot of hurt and a lot of pain that kind of came with some of that, but we also knew that that wasn't the church as a whole. That was just a few people. And, um, I went into youth ministry, followed my, my dad's footsteps. And my brother actually, what's really cool is he didn't go into youth ministry, um, or worship ministry as by, or uh, with his vocation, but, He's a CPA in Denver, and he supports his youth program by teaching Sunday school for his junior hires. Um, and he's just one of the volunteers. He's like, I know that this is, is vastly important, and I want to pour back into what poured into me. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that pastor's kids, there's 
I don't know that they're much different than other kids, but they spend a lot more time at the church and they're, they're under a bigger microscope. Um, I feel like there's, there's a lot more attention on them. Um, when, when mom, my mom told me about this story that I guess I lied at like eight or when I was in kindergarten or first grade, something like that. And I, I told this lie and the, uh, the principal was like, well, he's a pastor's kid. He should know better. And my mom went off on the principal. Like he's no different than any of the other kids. Like, would you be this upset about if little Tommy lied down about this and he's got parents who are just normal people. Um, and so I think there's the microscope, but I don't think that they really act any different than anybody else. Um, it's just a different world that they live in. Yeah. And, and just to kind of clarify, your dad just served as a youth pastor for your time growing up from birth to by the time you graduated, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was born, uh, while he was or still at mid America Christian university. And then mm -hmm. he started his job June of the same year I was born. I was born end of February. And so there was a little bit of a gap where he wasn't serving full-time. Um, and then he went straight into serving full-time ministry. He served in Alliance and then Eaton. And then I graduated in 13 and he left the position June, July-ish, uh, maybe August of 16, the same year that I got married. Um, so I like growing up, I always just saw him in a youth pastor role, but now okay. he's in senior ministry. All right. Okay. Now, Micah, what about kind of the same question for you? What are some of your perceptions as far as kids who go to church regularly with their parents versus pastor kids? Is there a difference? Is it, is it kind of all the same? What are your, what's your take on that? Well, to, to what Jordan said, I, I would totally agree. I, um, my dad's been a, a lead pastor my entire life. Um, and he still is, he's still serving just like Jordan's dad. Um, and I would agree totally that like I spent more hours at a church than most people would uh, just to kind of date myself a little bit with my age. I think <clears throat> that uh, do you remember when blockbuster was a thing? You could do like five movies for five bucks for five days or something. Like I remember in the summers, um, you know, specifically because my mom used to work full time that he would, we would go to blockbuster, we would get five movies. He would throw us in one of the Sunday school rooms we would watch movies all day long. Like we would go to the gym, like Jordan was saying, and shoot hoops, uh, play basketball, do other things. And we would basically live at the church. We weren't living at home. Um, and, and I would agree totally that, uh, you know, my calling was a little bit different in respect to um, my dad went through a rough transition. Like he transitioned out of one ministry into another, but he um, was treated very poorly towards the end of that ministry. And as a result, I ended up walking away from, from the church for almost two years and just hadn't having nothing to do with ministry, nothing to do with church. My relationship with Jesus was not tarnished because of that, but I was more mad at the people in the church than I was at, at God. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I would totally agree that, you know, the, the expectation uh, of pastor's kids is, is, is unlike anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. Um you're just expected to be like, and maybe that's pressure we put on ourselves, but I think, uh, you know, I've struggled with that over the years because like, I'm not perfect and I'm not going to be perfect. And I screw up every day and that's what God's grace is for. And just because I have the, the title pastor or the title pastor's kid doesn't change that or negate that. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I've noticed, um, kind of as I've gotten older and, and I don't know if Jordan's experienced this yet, but like 
my dad and I kind of, we kind of butt heads more so on ministry topics and leadership topics and theology, specifically to the church of God. The three of us are all ordained in church of God, Anderson. And um, he's very much a traditionalist and, and, and that's a struggle because I'm a worship leader. And like, I don't really think in the terms of worship, just being church of God, Anderson, we got to sing out of a hymn, hymn book. We got to, you know, and my dad's older. Sing so, the heritage songs. <laughs> yes, because they have the doctrine of the theology of who the church of God is. But I'm like, we're constantly evolving as a, as a you know, as a church. And mm. so um, there, there's two sides of that, right? One where it's, um, you know, you're, you're expected to uh, perform, not perform. Uh, and you're also expected to put on a brave face when when things go bad and so um yeah i just I, I struggle with that a lot because it's like man my mom was treated pretty bad at times my dad was treated pretty bad at times and and i got to witness that firsthand and um you know there were there were times when i was a teenager where where, where we lived in a small community and you know people said stuff about us or you know, that I made bad decisions or that I did stupid things that some of which were true. I mean, you know, I will, I will own up to that and admit to that. Um, but some of it wasn't right. Um, and just because your dad's the pastor, you know, you get more grief because of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we don't have to go into stories, but, um, yeah. we, we might, but then, um, too, you know, I want, <laughs> I've talked about this before, but I really want to write a book. Uh, down the road called the unrealistic expectation, just talking about the struggles of being a pastor's kid and mm -hmm. uh, what that entails. And um, I don't know, like, I don't know if my brother and my sister, my brothers and my sister feel the same way that I do, but you know, it was, it was a struggle. And then, you know, feeling a call to ministry and really, I think it, it prepared me for ministry in a sense, because now I can set those boundaries and say like, look, that's not happening. You know, if you treat my wife like that, I'm out. You know, mm -hmm. if you treat my family like that, I'm out. Like it's yeah. just it, like a zero tolerance policy with me as it goes to how I, you know, uh, see ministry. So yeah, that's just a kind of a little bit of reflection. I don't know. Jordan seems to have a little bit like more of a, I don't know if you have more of a positive outlook on it, but like I, I went through some stuff and I know that your dad did too, but like it, it, it just, I feel like I have more of a, a sour taste at times in my, in my life and triggers because of that. Yeah. I, you know, I think what's really the big difference between us is I saw my dad at two churches. Um, I remember him being at Alliance and I don't remember a whole lot of Alliance anymore. Um, we moved in 2000. He, he left that spot in 2003. Um, I know that it was really hard on me because when we moved to Eaton, like I just, I didn't like the people. I didn't like, I didn't want to accept anybody. And then like 10 years later when I graduated, like I'm crying because I'm leaving these people. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the kicking and screaming, going in, kicking and screaming, going out, uh, situation. But, um, you know, Eaton, Eaton was my home. Um, I, I don't remember my dad having issues at Eaton, um, growing up. I don't remember it really. The issues that, that were there were mine. Um, and that was a, a third grader moving, uh, across the state, third grader having to switch through three different school districts in one school year, um, which was which was hard. I know my dad was trying to do his best for us and uh, making sure. I think that, you know, when we come down to the, the church hurt side, I don't remember people belittling us or, or hurting us. Um, those those were the years where it was just blessing after blessing. And 
um, we were just loved on in so many different ways. And there were a lot of people that, that just showed us love. Um, I know that when he left Eaton, it was hard. Um, there were a few issues that came with that one. Um, and a lot of that was and correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of that was with leadership changes from the top, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, and that wasn't I'm, people's cause, cause from my understanding, my dad, well, the kind of the connection Scott to like for, for your listeners, Jordan's dad and my dad both pastored at Eaton churches at separate times, not together. And both had incredible experiences at church because the people were amazing. Oh, the, the, the people. So, so what's real. Okay. So I was, I was in Ohio just recently and I talked with, um, uh, David and Jan, um, who, who they're at Salem now. I can't remember their last name at the, uh, for the moment. Um, but they, they served as interim between, uh, pastors. So, so pastor Reynolds was there, uh, the same time that, that, uh, Micah's dad was there. Um, and then my dad was, he kind of closed out, uh, pastor Reynolds chapter there, um, as the lead pastor. And then, um, pastor David, uh, Cox, there it is. Um, the Cox, the David and Jan Cox, they were there. Um, and, and I talked with, with him and and he's struggling with some dementia now, but it's one of the things he remembers. And he's like, they were so good there. And whenever he sees Eaton people who've moved from Eaton to Salem, they're like, oh man, this is, I'm so glad to see you. Like, uh, when they talk about Eaton, he's always him and Jan are just like this, this is a good church. And sometimes the leadership does hurt. Um, and and it, it, it changes and you don't agree. And um, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of the things that my dad had, um, the, the, the struggles that he went through, um, as a pastor, I'm going through some of those, um, not, not with my staff by any means. I think the staff here at my church is amazing. Um, and when I look at the things that my dad went through, um, one thing that he said to me one time was, I don't have a problem with, with people. I have a problem with poor leadership. And if you're not a stronger leader than me, um, then I step in and I start filling in and I overstep some of that. Um, and so that, that helped me understand kind of where I'm going in my path. And there was, there was an issue not long ago, um, some state level leadership. And I just joined the state team and I had to physically stop myself from overstepping the the lead. Um, because I knew that, that they were, they were okay. And they, they were doing right. But I knew that I was stronger in that, that area. And I was like, I can easily step into this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that learning from like being a pastor's kid in ministry, I think that helps me learn what my strengths and my weaknesses are um, because I, I, I watched my dad do it. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm very much my dad's kid. So I think that's um, so kind of Jordan, you said something earlier about, and I think Mike, you've kind of hit on it too, kind of these unrealistic expectations as pastor kid, Jordan, you mentioned that you told a lie in like kindergarten and there was that, you know, the that backlash, unrealistic yeah. exp- the backlash to that. And so I kind of want to, move back to that way as far as growing up you know when I think about kids growing up it's a whole developmental thing you know kids are trying to test boundaries they're trying to figure out who they are they're trying to understand right and wrong not only from what mom and dad tells them depending on how well of a good job they discipline their kids to understand right and wrong and how to move things but as far as a pastor's kid like how many times do you feel that pressure to I guess, perform and kind of in a way hold back from just being a kid in some ways. Did you ever felt kind of that pressure where you felt like you couldn't really be a hundred percent you, you always had to move through, you know, going through church and stuff with garters on. Um, 
I don't, I don't want to say garters. Uh, mm-hmm. I would, I would almost say more of, it's a little bit, I think, well, Jordan and I have different stories, obviously, but like, I think that, you know, for me, um, I'm obviously a worship creative arts pastor kind of guy now. And that kind of, you know, music has always been my thing. And I, you know, for one example is that I've taken piano lessons, you know, I started taking lessons when I was four years old and I, you know, all the way through high school and in college, I got a degree in that. And so like growing up in a, in a small, you know, rural church, uh, when your dad's the pastor, uh, you know, you're, you get your feet wet, right. You get your feet wet playing for weddings and, you know, you play on Sunday morning when the piano player can't be there. And, um, you know, for me, I was, I felt that pressure that I had to do that all the time. Mm. Right. And I didn't want to do that. I got to the point where I didn't want to do that anymore. I just did not want to play another note at a church. And I didn't for the longest time, because it was just like, there was this, um, you know, expectation that just because I've taken lessons and just because I know how to play the piano that I would have to right now, I want to, because I feel like it's, you know, the way I'm wired and what's, it's what God called me to do. But as a kid who's nine, 10, 11 years old, I don't you know. I was like, this is, this is too much for, for a kid to, to be expected to, you know, expected to do once in a while or, you know, every week. And if I could add, um, and two of the last ministry uh, situations where I've served on, served on staff in uh, a leadership role, it's a lot different as adults being pastors, kids, specifically if you're still at a church where your dad's the pastor and you're adults. Um, and we've talked about it, Scott, in other episodes, but like nepotism is a real thing. And mm-hmm. being afraid of being classified as somebody um, who's a part of a, you know, a nepotism situation, um, you wouldn't want to put yourself in that situation. And that, that may be part of the reason why kids that are pastors, kids, now that are my age or Jordan's age don't want to serve because they're afraid they're going to be, you know, oh, they're just up there because they're the pastor's kid or they're just preaching because they're the pastor's kid or they're just leading worship because they're the pastor's kid or they're just the youth pastor because they're the the pastor's kid. And I can't tell you how many situations where um, I've been in and that's just not healthy. It's just not a healthy place to be. There's nepotism on purpose and then there's completely innocent nepotism where people kind of label that as nepotism. Does that make sense? I think mm-hmm. one of my favorite oh, yeah. things uh, specifically about that kind of, <laughs> well, you're only there because <laughs> I uh, I went to a GA, which is General Assembly. And so in the Anderson Church of God Reformation Movement, Ohio has this big where they get all the pastors together, and, or at least they invite it's everybody. like once a year. Okay. Yeah, once a year, big meeting, and, and we we vote on things and whatnot. And I was there, and someone, <laughs> someone knew dad and did not like dad. And they were from Northeast Ohio. And I don't know who this person was. I couldn't even tell you their name. And I was like, I didn't know that they didn't like my dad because they were like, oh, I've got such high regards for your dad and all this. Like, you're going to be a great pastor because, and I was like, is it because I'm his kid that I'm going to be a great pastor? Is it because I'm called because I'm going to be a great pastor? Like, Hmm. like it was just really funny. Like the, the flip side of, you know, sometimes there were many times where people would be like, man, your dad is awesome. And I think you're going to follow right in his footsteps. And they never once said, you're going to be a good pastor because of you. And it felt like sometimes I was in his shadow. Hmm. Um, And I think that a lot of ways that growing up, I felt like 
I knew how to manipulate. And, and that's the best word that I can say um, was mm. that I, I would be like, well, I'm Jeremy's kid. Like I got backstage passes to go meet Colton Dixon at, at state youth convention because my dad helps run the state. <laughs> or yeah. um, I would be like, well, I'm going to be at Marengo all summer because my dad volunteers all summer. And so, and then, and then the backlash started to come later on when, when I used some of that, um, because I was told by some Marengo people when I, it was our state camp, um, I would be there and I said something along the lines of, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm excited to be on staff and all this. And one person came up to me and said, you're only on staff because of who your father is. Yikes. And, Yikes. Oh, oh yeah. And, and it was like in my face and it was nasty and, and i had to go to the director john and i said is this true like like mm. be real with me if it's a, if it is that's fine but i don't want to be here if that's the reason and and and, and it's not a one way or the other. i just i just want to know like i don't want to be here just because I had a connection. I want to be here because God called me. And I, and if he's not calling me, then I, I just don't think that I'm your best option. And he sat me down and he said, I don't know who told you that, but that's not real. Like I see you as a vital part of this team and like really affirming it. And he shut down the, yeah. what the person said, but the fact that someone had the goal to say, Hey, yeah. you're only here because your dad. Like, so yeah. it's, it's like, so, sometimes they pull that weight and it helps you. And sometimes it just, it slaps you hard and you're like, I didn't see it coming. So yeah, and I think I think that's a that's a vital point because even it, it wasn't like necessarily like you were flaunting that like oh I'm on staff because my dad's you know oh yeah my dad no. like it was more of but because I think in the past that has always I think people kind of on the outside looking in have kind of seen oh Jordan kind of gets these perks for because of your dad's really accomplishments and where he's serving and all that stuff to the point where Absolutely. it's like, Oh, well, this is the only reason why. And it's, it's, so I find that very fascinating with those unrealistic expectations. Sometimes there's good and sometimes there's bad with that as well. Oh, depending yeah. on who's uh, depending on other pe outside perception. And, and that's one of the things that I've learned out here in Oklahoma is, is my pastor, Steve Childs. He said, your perception is your reality. So what they're expecting, what they think that I need as a pastor's kid and as a pastor and as someone in ministry needs to be doing, well, that's their reality. Hmm. So they don't, they don't know the flip side of these. They don't know that I'm going to Ohio Christian University to get my, my bachelor's degree in youth ministry, that I'm literally there spending my entire time not getting paid by the state of Ohio uh, Church of God Reformation Movement, that I was getting paid in scholarships from Ohio Christian. And that I just happened to work it in that I was one of the guys that volunteered from Ohio Christian to be year or to be full-time staff over the summer. Yeah. So like they didn't, they didn't even know about some of that stuff. And they were like, well, you're only here because of that. And I'm like, oh gosh, like, please tell me that's not, please tell me that's not true. And I think that yeah. it, it helped cause some, some anxiety. Um, yeah. But on the flip side, you have people like, and, and Scott, you know, this person, and I don't know if uh, Michael would Roxanne Bryant. Mm -hmm. Um phenomenal woman of God who just always affirmed me. And, and when my calling hit, um, she's like, you know, you'll do much better than your dad because you're learning from your dad and you're going to be even better because God has called you to be in this ministry position. And I'm excited to see where you're going. And, and she was always really affirming to that. And so I think it was the, the flip sides of those, that sometimes those expectations are not, um, they, they just, it just depends on who it is and, and, and the spirit of that person. I, I think 
I think I would agree with you with that, Jordan. I also think that it also depends on the relationship. I think within the household, the relationship between the pastor and their children, because I, I have a buddy of mine who's a PK and like one of the things we, I met with him probably about two months ago and we we're just talking about stuff and, you know, loves his dad, loves his mom, but definitely is not going to church, definitely does not have the same type of theological view that their parents have. And there's been times where he has even said sometimes be, the worst thing about being a pastor's kid was just being around other people or going out to restaurants, mainly because his parents had such an elitist, obnoxious attitude that it was almost like it just kind of rubbed him the wrong way. And so I think that you know, I think that's kind of, you know, it's always a catch 22 in some ways. Sometimes it could be good. Um, and kind of leads to my next question. We, both of you guys have talked about your dad's going through some church hurt and have to deal with some of that. What are some things that you have witnessed that you feel that as you're experiencing your own kind of hurt from the church through Bears Misery, what were some things that you've kind of coping mechanisms that you've kind of embraced maybe some coping mechanisms you're like well that's what my dad did and i didn't like that so i'm kind of going the opposite direction of that <laughs> so <laughs> um and, I, and i'll give an example from just me because again i'm not a pk but you know i think when i went through my situation at um in my situation at my last church i served like the big thing i did is i wanted to make sure my kids were far away from me when I was going through my healing process. Like there'd be times where I would just retreat, kind of isolate myself. So a lot of times when my kids wanted to be around me, if I was really hurting and they wanted to hug me or grab onto me, I'd be like, no, no, you guys got to leave me alone. You guys got to don't touch me because I'm just dealing with a lot of hurt. And I didn't want to say that I was dealing with a lot of hurt or that the hurt was coming to the church. So all they've kind of interpreted was, well, dad doesn't want to hang out with me. And I'm kind of realizing that was probably a, a crappy thing to do. Um, so I think it's one of those things where I'm like, well, you know, if my kids do feel that call, I hope they don't do what I did. So, so I guess that's kind of like my take as far as like, you know, how I handled some of the hurt. And I'm like, well, you know, if my kids witness that, you know, hopefully they don't fall into those same patterns as a parent, or hopefully they find more healthier coping mechanisms than what I did. So does that, does that make any sense to you guys? I think for me, my dad, my dad was very, the manly man. Um, he would often say, you know, don't cry. Um, he would, he would be like, I don't cry. I choked my tear ducts out. And I mean, like very, um, like, like he did not understand the the mental health aspects that come with seeking counseling and seeking help um and it was it was really cool that my wife helped kind of really focus on this because she's like you're an idiot if you don't go seek counseling because you want to help people take your own advice um and and I have a heart for for counseling I think that it's it's vastly important to be able to talk through things and to uh process and learn um, not only about the situation, but about yourself through those processes. Um, and so when my dad went and and left Eaton, um, I can't speak to, to Alliance because it's been so long. Um, mm -hmm. But with Eaton, when he left, um, 
from the story that I understand is that he did not want to seek counseling. He did not want any help. He did not. Um, he, he wanted to go through it himself. And he said, I'm not leaving this place or I'm not, I'm not going through all this without any or with any counseling. And they said, well, we're bringing in Steve Childs. And my dad has a huge respect for my senior pastor, as do I. And um, I've, I've learned that, that Steve has a, has a healing piece to him, um, that, that a spirit of healing and um, has, has really walked with me through a lot of my own pain. But I seek counseling. Um, I seek men of God who, and, and even women of God, uh, through through my counselor that I had when we were in uh, Huber. Um, but the, the, when I left my church, I sought counseling. Um, I sought um, a professional counselor. Um, my sister-in-law has has helped me a little bit. Um, she's a now licensed counselor, and she said, "Hey, you know, you took the right steps. Um, hey, let me talk with uh, this person. They might be able to connect you, and uh, we've got connections and things like that." <clears throat> and so. Um, it's been really cool to see how with my dad, because I'm so much like my dad, I knew that I can't just bottle this one up and and walk away the same way he did, um, that I do need to get through this. And that I, and I, I knew that it's going to be hard to talk about some of this, but I can't do it the same way he did because I'm not built the same way he is. Um, and so I think that seeking counseling and making sure that, that I, I, I went through the feelings, I went through the motions and, and that. Um, I didn't shove my family away um, because I feel like, and, and maybe I felt pushed away because I had just gotten married when he left. Um, and it just kind of was like a Jordan stay in your bubbles uh, kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Just kind of, I think he was trying to keep peace there. Um, but that's, I mean, things that I learned from him was, was that is just, you know, definitely seek counseling um, that people are there to help you. Um, and it, it's a lot easier when you don't have to carry the burden by yourself and you're not busy trying to figure out someone else's brain. So mm -hmm. yeah. what about you, Micah? Yeah, I think um, just a little bit like a different perspective. I think uh, my dad has always worked in small to mid-sized churches and I've always worked in mid to large-sized churches. Just simply put that I've always had multiple staff members around me, right? I've not just been by myself. And, and in the majority of cases where my dad's served you know he's been that person and maybe a secretary maybe another associate um and that associate may just be very part-time or you know bivocational and not get paid at all you know just very small church mentality and i think uh the advantage and the privilege that i've had in my ministry has been that i've had good people around me that i can always go to talk to and i feel that I can talk to, you know, to kind of piggyback off the of Jordan, uh, seeking counseling. And, and I've had those people in my life, whether it's been in seminary or churches I've pastored at, um, or just churches that I haven't pastored at or churches I've been involved in that I know the pastors at other churches in the community that I can go have lunch with or go have coffee with and just talk about life and ministry and how you would handle a situation. And not like, um, you know, dumping it on them, but just like, what would you do in that circumstance? Or is this the right thing? Or, you know, it's accountability, right? Uh, Jordan and I talk regularly, you and I talk regularly, Scott, like it, we don't serve at the same churches, but we, mm -hmm. we, we've walked through some similar circumstances and uh, I, I would agree with Jordan that, you know, my dad, I love him. He's my dad, but you know, he doesn't, his way of dealing with stuff is going, a million miles an hour into a brick wall 
and he stays busy and he just does things and keeps busy and does things and keeps busy and he doesn't process his emotions. He does have a background in counseling and it just amazes me that he helps everybody else, but he doesn't want to help himself. Hmm. And um, when my mom died last year, it was just like, I was telling, I don't know who I was telling this to yesterday, but I was saying that, man, it, it just seems like my dad was an amazing caregiver for my mom while she was still alive. But uh, once she died, he didn't have to care for her anymore. And so like all of a sudden it was just, he became this very sympathetic figure. Right. And I think that happens when you have a spouse that's sick or somebody that you have to take care of. And they just don't know how to take care of themselves at that point because they've spent so much time taking care of everybody else. Um, And that's why I'm a big advocate of pastoral care and counseling as well. And it's just, um, I think we're at a, a time in history where that's becoming more evident. And Scott, you and I've talked in other episodes about, um, you know, the great resignation and, and some other mm-hmm. you know topics where pastors are just leaving churches because they don't feel like a, they're respected or B they're in a healthy space to lead churches because of all the stuff that's going on in this world. And so, mm-hmm. um, thankfully Jordan and myself have decided and feel called enough to, to, to not do that, to not walk away from that. doesn't mean I haven't wanted to or not mm-hmm. wanted to, um, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's okay to, to call somebody and say, Hey, you know, I'm really having a hard time right now. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, Oh, I think that's kind of the big takeaway is, you know, I think how things get modeled, um, you know, and I think just both of you guys saying like, Hey, we both have dads who they don't want to seek help when they're dealing with their own kind of church hurt and stuff, but yet, the flip side is, is that, you know, Jordan, you're seeking counsel, Micah, you're kind of thinking like, okay, hey, I need to talk to people about this. I'm not going to kind of stuff it inside and just, you know, let it eat away at me. And I think there's wisdom where we see from growing up within a pastoral home, how we learn some of the good things on how to manage certain things or how to do ministry and some things. I'm like, okay, I'm learning so much more kind of like what um, Roxanne Bryant said to you, Jordan, that, Oh, you're going to be, you're going to be better because you're actually learning from your dad because you're constantly in it all the time, you know, 24 <laughs> seven, you're constantly in it. Um, so I guess um, my next question is, is as an adult kind of as an adult, you have your own decisions. Both of you guys are married. Are there certain things when you are in churches whether you go visit a church or whether you're serving the church, whatever the case may be, were certain, are there certain things that when you witness it or see it, that kind of like triggers you in some way where you kind of have big reactions. And, and the only reason why I asked this question is again, talking to the same pastor's kid when I met a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about different movies and TV shows. Cause he's a big like movie buff, like I am. And we were talking about the HBO Max show, The Royal Tenenbaums, which is a comedy spoof of like televangelists. You were going to say The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, The Righteous Gemstones. What did I say? <laughs> Royal Tenenbaums? Yes. I was like, wait. Okay, different, sorry, different movie. We talked about The Royal Tenenbaums too, because that's also a good Wes Anderson movie. But with The Righteous Gemstones, we talked about that show. And he says that, you know, even though he knows that show's satire and it's a comedy, there are certain scenes in that thing that he starts, it, it triggers him. Like he starts to have like high anxiety in certain scenes in that thing. And I'm thinking, 
really? Like I sit there and I scratch my head. I'm like, really? Like what scenes are you having these high, like trigger points? So just kind of want to know what your thoughts on, are on those things. I mean, I've watched, I've watched season one, at least of the righteous Jensen's and that show is it's very raunchy, but Mm -hmm. depending, depending on the ministry in the church, right? Like if it's a ministry church or like, I'm sorry, a mega church situation, I could totally see that happening. Mm. Um, Just some of those moments where, you know, they have millions of dollars and what are they really doing with their money? Um, But yeah, that show is just ridiculous. Would not recommend but if, uh, <laughs> somebody told me about it. They're like, if you want to see, you know, you know, stuff that you wouldn't think would happen in the church, but does watch that show. Um, I'm sorry. What was the the question? So, like, so are there things like when you're, when you're working in churches or when you're doing stuff, are there certain things that as an adult, you experience that kind of triggers something in you? Like you start to get anxious or you start to panic or something because of just growing up, there's certain things in church thing where it starts to, mess with you a little bit even if it's something basic like phrases or maybe just i don't know something silly like the way they do the offering like somehow that's a trigger point or something like anything like that where you experience anything where you start to feel uneasy about i mean i think you know more so than being a pastor's kid just the generational you know, if I'm speaking or if I'm leading worship at a church that I know is pretty old school and I walk in and I'm like, why are churches still doing this? It's 2022. Mm. Um, stuff like that really reminds me because my dad still does that stuff. And I'm like, dad, it's 2022. Why are you still doing this? Like, and it's kind of sad, but you know, for example, I do all of my dad's churches, social media. I do all of my dad's churches, website stuff, all of his sermon designs, like all the branding and stuff for his sermon series. And um, they just don't think about those things. And my dad will be the first to tell you, I don't care. I don't want to do it. Like in respect to technology and things like that. He's like, I don't care. I want somebody else to do it because he gets too flustered about it and doesn't want to deal with it. Um, and, you know, small. Ch- I've seen small churches that do things really, really well because they stick to a couple of ideas instead of trying to do a million and um, and they're successful because of that. And they know what they are and their, their limitations and, and they, they do well because of that. But I think that that's very triggering for me. Um, quick story. Uh, when I was, I, I went, this is like in 2000, I don't know, 13, 14, um, I went back to one of the churches my dad pastored. They invited me to come back. They, they invited me to to lead worship and speak. And you guys are both Church of God guys. So you know that like in the traditional Church of God service, you you know somebody would come up and welcome and chair the service. And that's a term that I haven't heard in a long time. But chair a service, <laughs> um, they would welcome people, give brief announcements. Then you know the worship they would pray, and then the worship leader would come up, do a couple songs. They would do offering, do a couple more songs. They would pray, maybe have some special music, and then the pastor would come up and preach. At the end of the service, they would then, pastor would then pray, and then they would have an altar call or a response time. So I go to this church, hadn't been there since I was a kid, and people were like, wow, you're all grown up, you look great, you know, we're excited you're here. And some people were there, some people I knew, some people I didn't. But I, I go, I do all the music, 
I speak. And at the end, the pastor comes up to pray after I speak. I go back to do like a response song or a song at the end to kind of close the service out. And one of the people that was chairing the service, like picked up the hymn book, right? And turned, opened it up to like, look up a song. And I wasn't playing a hymn. I wasn't playing a song, but he was so trained and so embedded in the fact that that's what they've done for the entire time that they've ever been at that church. And they continue to do because it's so traditional and it's so old mm-hmm. and it's so old school that that's just embedded in their DNA. And so it was just really sobering and eye-opening to me to, to, to see that like, you know, it's okay to do something different, but you're so like stuck in that. What? Right. And so um, it was very, uh, surreal for me to see that there's been a couple of circumstances where that's happened, but like, as far as triggers are concerned, like, you know, uh, when my dad left one of his ministries, we're trying not to like name churches and stuff. I, Jordan has already with his, his dad's, uh, but, <laughs> um, but like one of the churches that like, and I don't know that anybody that I would know would listen to this, that would even have an idea, but the, one of the churches my dad left specifically when I left, uh, when I stopped going to church for two years, my dad left that church and I was very, very upset at that church because of the way they treated my parents. And I wouldn't, it was so bad that I wouldn't even step inside that building. It took me a long time to, to go back into that church, to speak at that church, to lead at that church, to do worship at that church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was finally, um, and just a little bit of background. My, my dad was pastoring in Northeast Ohio. When I graduated high school, I went to college in West Virginia, and my dad took a church in North Dakota where he was at for 10 years. When my dad left the church in Northeast Ohio, I stayed behind, and the college that I went to was only 45 minutes away from that church. So, like, I could still go home on the weekends, see my friends, you know, hang out with people. You know, I could very much go to that church if I wanted to. It wasn't until that pastor, somebody died in the church that was really close to our family. It wasn't some, until somebody died that I actually stepped foot in that church, and then the pastor sent me down and said, you know, you're always welcome here. Don't let the people define who you are. Don't let the people with the past and the pain and the hurt define the acceptance that you have in this church and you always have a place here. It wasn't until that moment where that pastor said that to me that I was Hmm. willing to step in. So like Jordan said earlier, you know, having those people in your life that are willing to speak into your life and tell you that it's going to be okay and walk with you because it's almost like, let's be real. We have a bunch of surrogate families, like, right. Like, like, like I've been at, My dad pastored in in Eaton, where Jordan's dad was. He pastored in Mississippi for six years. He pastored in Michigan for four years. He pastored in uh, Eaton again. He pastored in two different places for seven years at a time in Northeast Ohio. And then he went to North Dakota for 10 years. And now he's in his like fourth or fifth year in a church in Pennsylvania. And along the, the way, like there are people that we talk to that we consider very much family because there's people that have really just invested in us over the years. And um, kind of walked and done life with us. One of the things that I call them are your chosen family. You yeah. know, sometimes our families were ministry. You get thrown around a lot. Um, my mom and dad are both from Wichita, Kansas. And I chose family at Alliance. I chose family at Eaton. Um, when we were, started our own ministry, we chose family at Westing. And and then we chose family out here in Chartel, especially because you don't have family always around you. So totally get that one, Micah. Yeah. What about you, Jordan, what, about triggers or anything like that? Uh, the pulpit. That's <laughs> a big trigger for me. Um, there's a reason, though. Well, um, every church has one of those. Actually, what's really funny is Chartel doesn't. We got well, rid of our pulpit. Um, I, and and I'm saying specifically 
the pulpit. Um, so, so dad's first church up in Alliance, Ohio, um, which I know I sharing the, the place of where dad worked, but, um, if you want to, you can, you can edit that out. No, um, it's, I just didn't know in case. Yeah. We well, sometimes don't talk about certain places. It's fine. So, so the senior pastor, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, I just remember this very vividly. They, they called up something and, and they were running like just a few minutes behind or we got there really early or something that morning. And my dad allowed me behind the pulpit. And there were a bunch of ladies who were sitting in their spots because you know, it's the church and you always have your spot and, and no one sits there except for you. And, um, I'm standing there at the pulpit. Um, we left before I was in third grade. So I was like climbing up the pulpit <laughs> so I could see over and it scared the snot out of me, the stage fright. And I remember being so embarrassed by it. And for years, it actually scarred me whenever I was asked to preach behind a pulpit or to, to do announcements behind a pulpit. Mm. Um, it, it scared the snot out of me. And it took me years to get past that one. Which is um, funny because like I lead worship and I feel like when I'm on the platform, when I'm leading worship, I feel more secure and safe than anywhere else in the world. And it took me time to get there. Um, Katie, my wife, Caitlin, and I, we were talking about this very recently. Uh, this past Sunday, the children's minister had COVID. And so I stepped into the youth pastor or, or I stepped into the children's ministry and I said, hey, let me let me help out any way that I can. I'll, I'll be with the elementary kids in the first service and the second service. I'll, I'll lead the, the uh, large group is what we call it. And I was like, let me do this. And Katie said, it wasn't the same, was it? And I was like, no, it, it's not my, it's not my ministry. Um, and, and like a pulpit is not my ministry. I do very small group youth ministry. I mean, I've got 30, 30 to 40 kids right now between my, my English and my Spanish groups. Um, so somewhere in there is, is where I, I typically go on Wednesday nights. But as a kid, I remember sitting behind that or standing behind that pulpit, climbing up that thing. And I hid underneath because they, it had the big pocket. And we, we know what we're talking about with this pulpit. There's that big yeah. pocket. And my dad had to pick me up and carry me out of that to put me in, or in the children's room um, because I was so scared. And I'm actually like <laughs> tearing up a little bit remembering this. Um, but for the longest time, it just scarred me. Um, mm. and, and, and I think there's a certain type of person that has scarred me. Um, I saw, I don't remember seeing this person all the time growing up, but I saw this person in my own ministry, um, that I, I red flag immediately went up because I was like, I remember my dad had issues with that kind of person and everything that I've seen about this person is, is throwing some red flags. And I think some of that has also triggered me a little bit. And it's like, I need to give this person a chance because they're not like if I have an issue with Scott at my first church and then Micah is the same type of person that Scott is, but I need to give him that chance before, because mm -hmm. he may not be that same type of person. Like he may not yeah. do any harm or And so I like, that took me a little bit of time as well as, as I joined ministry. But those are kind of the, the two issues is just that, that focused person that I, that I see versus uh, the pulpit. <laughs> hmm. Okay. All right. Good. So kind of to wrap up this episode, I know there's a lot of different things. And again, you know, kind of being on the outside looking in or even as a parent kind of thinking like, oh, what what stuff do I need to kind of be aware of? Like when I'm ministering in churches and also raising my own kids, what is some like, I guess, some words of wisdom or advice you would give to 
either a pastor kids who are kind of still dealing with maybe some of the stuff that they're dealing with, or what would you give to those who are in ministry, who are, who are pastors, and maybe they have a fear about, Oh, how are my kids going to turn out because they'll be pastor kids. Like, I guess it's kind of both those questions. If you would like to answer those just to kind of close out the episode. Um, just be, you know, patient with, mm. with your kids. Um, understand that they're under a lot of, of un, unneeded and unwanted stress, whether they know it or not. Um, you know, it's, it's no different than, you know, the secular world, uh, the, you know, when, when there's, you know, a stressful situation going on at work or mom and dad are having arguments, you know, that that's reflective in the home because of, uh, the tension and, and kids pick up on that, whether parents realize it or not. Um, and I would say, give it time because it's not going to happen overnight. And, uh, you know, whether, whether lay people in the church know it or not, they, uh, they bring this unneeded and unwanted expectation to pastors and their families and, um, let, (sighs) I've tried this whole episode not to get emotional about it, but like, let pastors and their kids be who God created them to be and let them lead. Because if you believe, you truly believe that God has called them to a place in a time such as this or a ministry such as this, that you need to let them lead because you believe that they were called for a time and a season such as that. And if you don't let them lead, they're not going to survive and they're not going to succeed in that ministry. And they're not going to succeed in the ministry because they're going to take that from ministry to ministry to ministry. And they're going to take it with them wherever they go. Mm. And then that results in counseling and nothing wrong with that, as we've talked about earlier. But letting, you know, you carry that baggage around with you the rest of your life. You talk about triggers. You talk about um, unwanted and unmerited stress that, um, you know, is not needed. And um we, you know, we can laugh about certain stories now of, of crazy things that we went through, you know, my dad went through growing up that like, those are, you know, that stuff wouldn't fly now. I don't think, uh, some of the crazy stories that my dad has, and maybe we can get my dad on here one day, uh, to talk about some of that stuff, but like, um, yeah, just, just, you know, be patient, uh, show humility, uh, know that we're going to screw up. And, you know, that, you know, I've never shared this on here, but like, I mean, I was, I think it was in high school. Right. And I went through this whole phase where I just listened to heavy metal music and I wore all black and I had long black hair and I was hanging out with kids in high school. And like, I was out till four o'clock in the morning and I rolled in and, you know, church started at 10 or 10 30 and I rolled out of bed and, you know, I had long black hair and, you know, uh, I had took a shower and my hair was still soaking wet. I walk in the sanctuary and the head usher just hands me the offering plate as they're taking the offering. And I was just supposed to walk up and take the offering. Huh. Um, uh, mind you, I had an ACDC highway to hell t-shirt on. I mean, that was, you know, like I was just going through that phase in life and, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I was just, 
you know, people are like, why is he wearing that shirt? What is wrong with him? Like, is, is he okay? And I'm like, listen, I'm a teenager going through some stuff. Just let me be. So like wow. pastor's kids are no different than any other kid, except for they got the, t- the title pastor's kid in front of them. And they've got to find Jesus, just like the, the average person who comes into that church and they got to work mm-hmm. out their own, as scripture says, work out their own salvation and if you're in trembling. And so, um, yeah, patience is a huge thing. And it's something that I have to learn even to this day. Like I can't stress that enough because I'm the most impatient person on this planet. Ask Jordan with, uh, with nerd talk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously, like, I, I just don't like, I know that everybody's going through stuff and we just have to realize that people are going through stuff. And I wish people would have extended that same, uh, circumstantial grace to Mm -hmm. me as I was growing up and, and home and, you know, I saw my parents go through some pretty rough stuff, you know, yeah. as a result. Yeah. One of the things I think, um, and I'm, I'm going to give two pieces of advice, one to the pastors and one to the pastor's kids. Um, if you're a pastor and run, run away, <laughs> yeah, start with that. Um, no, if, if you're, I, I would go as far to say if you're in youth ministry or you're in children's ministry or like a spot where favoritism might show, don't hide from it. Um, I, I, li- I was talking to this pastor and I said something about, uh, you know, what's it like having a kid in ministry? And he said, I can't show my kid enough love because the church often drains me of things. And so I like, if my kid's name is called in a drawing, my kid's name is called in a drawing. If my kid goes in and fundraises and like, I can help out a little bit more because my kid shows up to everything okay that like he's he's not i'm not gonna put a handicap on my kid because he's the pastor's kid um and i I think that that's vastly important is you know you're you're gonna miss a lot of time with your kids um lord knows i miss a lot of time with my kid um that i wish i didn't um with camps and and iyc and state youth conventions and everything in between um but just you know make the most of what you got when you have them because there's going to be a day that you know, raise a kid in the way they're going to go. And, and if you're, if you're not loving on them while you have them, they're going to turn away from the church and then they won't be around for that kind of stuff. And if your heart's in the church, they're going to reject the church because you didn't spend the time with them and pour into them to the kids. This too is going to pass. Um, there's a lot of hard stuff out there. The church is, is, is very rough at times. Um, people suck some days. Um, some people are really, really hard to deal with and, and whatnot, but you know, kids, if, if you're a pastor's kid, love Jesus, like that's, that's really what you need to focus on because at the end of the day, you're not held accountable to the church. You're not held accountable to the world. You're held accountable to Jesus. And if you can focus on him, like that's, that's really where it comes down to, um, this dude's going to pass. And, and like, like Micah said, have a little bit of patience just to get through it. Um, and, and people will try to have like, I learned, I learned this phrase recently, be the person you wish you had growing up. Um, and so, you know, there's people who live that lifestyle and, and, and try to help better uh, things and, and they try to have a better understanding and whatnot, but that's just, you know, this too is going to pass and maybe you're going through something for a reason um, because maybe you, you may end up saving some other kid's life yeah. just down the road. So you, you never know. Um, but yeah, that's, those are the two pieces that I would offer. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for sharing your stories and sharing your wisdom. 
Uh, definitely appreciate it. And guys, for you, those of you are listening, if you're a pastor's kid or you're a pastor with children and you're just kind of struggling with this, hopefully this episode has helped you be able to process and, and deal with some of the stuff and even gain wisdom from both Micah and Jordan. So guys, thank you so much for being on the show. And with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, this is the end of our episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Scott Seven podcast. Uh, again, if you like this episode, please give us a. You may not even like this episode, but being a pastor's like kid has limited our responses. <laughs> yeah, someone's watching me right now. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, give us a five-star rating on anywhere you're listening to this podcast. That'll help people find the show. And again, if you'd like to sponsor the Scott Simon podcast, you can go to my Ko-Fi page, ko-fi.com slash Scott Simon podcast. Uh, you could be like Patty, who's been donating $5 a month to kind of help uh, for the betterment of this. Uh, so yeah, it's great stuff. We're able to have these long conversations and everything else. So thank you, Patty, for sponsoring this and everyone else who's Wants to sponsor, go check it out. There's a lot of different tiers. Uh, even you can get a t-shirt, which we don't have a design yet, but once someone does, we will get a design going. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you guys later. Take care. Take care.